Hi, everyone. I'm Kelly O'Horo, and this is Adaptable Behavior Explained. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, we're going to talk a bit about EMDR therapy, and I'm intending to make this for the layperson who's not necessarily a therapist, but so you know a little bit about what to expect. When you decide you want to do EMDR therapy, a little bit about how to find someone and where that is, and we'll have links in the comments below where you can find uh, an EMDR therapist in your area. And we're going to talk about the history. We're going to talk about a little bit about how it works and what we can treat with EMDR therapy. And I have my colleague, Justine Bond, who is an EMDR therapist, uh, qualified to be a certified EMDR therapist. And she's going to talk a little bit about this topic with me today. So thank you so much for being here. I appreciate your time and and energy. And hopefully we can make this an approachable conversational topic because it's it's a complicated topic and it's super weird to understand EMDR therapy in general. But I think it's important that people are aware it's it's one of the top two treatments endorsed by the world health organization Mm -hmm. for trauma and also for the va Uh, cbt trauma focused therapy is the other one according to their endorsement and that requires homework and it takes a bit longer so part of what i love about emdr therapy and being an emdr therapist is that we can help people and have more reduction in their distress and their symptoms a little bit faster than than some of the other modalities. But ultimately, like I've talked about in episodes before, we have to address trauma in a bottom-up fashion because otherwise we're not going to reprocess how things get stuck. So thanks for being here. I appreciate yeah. it. So tell me, what do you love about EMDR therapy? I think it's speaking to what you said, the bottom-up approach. You know, I'm someone who gets really in my head too, right? And I feel like, well, I know a lot of the things, but that's not really what this is about because trauma is not stored there. If trauma made sense, we wouldn't probably be here and having these symptoms or chief complaint issues, right? Right. So it's dropping in and using myself as that process in the room just to be with the client where they're at and getting to the work that way. That's a beautiful transformation. I was lucky enough to have people talk about EMDR therapy in my graduate program. Mm. And so I knew about what it was, but Mm -hmm. I didn't personally get it. And uh, one of my professors was very research-based. And Mm -hmm. so he talked about this as, you know, the number one treatment for PTSD. Mm -hmm. And at that point, we didn't have anywhere near the clinical trials that we do now. And so we'll, we'll talk about more of the research and how we know that it is really effective to treat pretty much all presenting issues in some way, shape, or form. So we'll talk about that. I have to say my history with it is I saw a psychodynamic therapist for about a year when I was in um, my early uh, profession, Mm -hmm. and I really loved it. So it was valuable to learn more about my history, how I adapted, you know, my relationship with attachment with my mom and with my dad and, and some of the things that happened in my story that were contributing to my symptoms which was preoccupied anxiousness, needing to know what, where my husband was, what was going on. And even when he didn't do anything to earn my anxiety, mm-hmm. I was anxious. And so uh, I loved what I gained in my year of, of uh, psychodynamic therapy in a talk therapy fashion. Mm-hmm. But when I transitioned to an EMDR therapist, I was like, holy shit, this is what's been missing because I had such a different relationship with the distress that I was in. And I started to be able to make so much more sense of why I was acting the way I was acting. Mm -hmm. And so part of my love is that I 
had such dynamic physiological changes Mm -hmm. because of my own personal work with an EMDR therapist. And so do you have some experience in your own personal EMDR that you'd be willing to share? I think what I've learned the most through my own EMDR process was, as I mentioned before, I know a lot. And I I can think my way through a lot of things or what I like to tell my clients, are we solutionizing it? (laughs) Right. And that's all fine and good for some time, but it's not getting to really what's going on because two weeks later I'm feeling the same thing. And it's like, damn, I thought I worked through this. Right. No. Right. So my EMDR therapist taught me how to drop in and really come to that place again of what's my body holding on to? What's my body picking up in my environment that's telling me threat alarm bells, something's off right now. And how are you adapting in the now as a result of that distress? Exactly. Right. right? Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing that I think is relevant is after going through some of my own EMDR therapy, Mm -hmm. I was... I was in this major state of, I have to get trained in this. I have mm-hmm. to learn how to do this because I was, I was primarily a CBT therapist mm-hmm. and my, ther- my clients really, I, I did great with the relationship and the validation. And I understood in their narratives what was going on, mm-hmm. but I just was frustrated that I wasn't able to make system changes for them and mm-hmm. that they would come back week after week with some of the same presenting issues. And I wasn't seeing it shift as, as a, drastically as I would have liked. Mm -hmm. And I certainly wasn't seeing it shift. Like I felt like I was shifting because of the work I was doing in EMDR therapy. So I went and got trained as fast as possible. And I had a mentor that was, that was really encouraging jump in. I want you to really try this with as many patients as you can so that you can get comfortable with it and you can see how powerful it is. And so that's part of why I'm such a um, proponent of this kind of therapy yeah. and and uh, and other bottom up therapies that really affect the physiology of how things are stored. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about how EMDR came to be in the history of it. Sure. So back in 1987, mm-hmm. Francine Shapiro, who invented and discovered EMDR therapy by accident, mm-hmm. was walking through the park and she noticed that her eyes were moving in a bit of a bilateral way along with her walking. And she realized that as she was thinking about something distressing, she saw the the effects of the distress start to desensitize or decrease. Mm-hmm. And so she thought there's something to this. So thus began her research and her studies about what she had experienced personally in a reduction of stress. Mm-hmm. And in that timeline, she was, uh, she came up with EMD, which was the kind of the baby form of EMDR early on. And it was kind of originally seen as just a desensitization technique. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a little bit, It's helpful, but it doesn't help us to learn something new. It doesn't help us to reprocess things that are that are stuck in time. And so it's evolved since then. There's been like more than 30 random controlled trials Mm -hmm. showing its efficacy, more than 28 controlled trials learning about uh, different protocols and how we can address different presenting issues with EMDR therapy. So it's really come a long way. It's a way for people to free themselves from destructive memories. And it seems to work, even in cases where years of conventional therapy have failed. No one understands exactly why this method succeeds, only that it does. Then Elise, like Eric, discovered a new and unique kind of therapy. It's called EMDR, Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. It's being practiced by some 7,000 therapists across the country, and the numbers are growing. Okay, so how does EMDR work? 
So EMDR therapy is based um, on the model of adaptive information processing. And this model suggests that we are hardwired for healing, that we have an innate ability to lean ourselves towards health and wellness and to resolution. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a learning theory. So it suggests that everything that we have ever experienced in our life is, is seen and learned. And in our environments, we learn to adapt to our environments based on what we're experiencing. And so we're taking in information all the time. And in so doing, we, learn to course correct or shift or adapt. So for example, if I had a a family where my parents were fighting all the time and they were really angry, Mm -hmm. I might learn to adapt to stay small, to keep to myself, to not be a problem, to be a peacemaker, Mm -hmm. to try to get everybody to calm down, to be a perfectionist and never be the reason that anyone's upset. So I learned to adapt to my environment and kind of everything that we are doing in our life, we learned somewhere. And so what I love is the reverse engineering process of EMDR therapy as a, as a therapist mm-hmm. is really getting curious about what happened to cause someone to behave in whatever presenting issues they're behaving. Yeah. So, so how does it exactly work though? Where does it go? So everything with EMDR therapy is about memory work. Okay. How is memory encoded? And I, I love the movie Inside Out because they do such a good job illustrating how memory works. They show core memories that are mm-hmm. positive. And then over time, you kind of see memories shift depending on how people showed up for you. Right. And then when we get to resolution and there's a repair, you see the way that memory is held shift mm-hmm. to a more positive way. And in that scene, and I, and I think we'll show a clip right here of the scene that I'm talking about, where the way memory is encoded drastically drastically affects how we show up in the world. Anyway, these are Riley's memories, and they're mostly happy, you'll notice, not to brag. But the really important ones are over here. I don't want to get too technical, but these are called core memories. Each one came from a super important time in Riley's life. Uh, Like when she first scored a goal. That was so amazing. And each core memory powers a different aspect of Riley's personality. Like Hockey Island. Goofball Island is my personal favorite. And so everything with the MDR therapy is about memory work. And we're working to resolve memories that were maladaptively encoded with very specific set of information, how we feel emotionally, Mm -hmm. how our body takes in data, the sensations that are with it. Mm -hmm. And then the thoughts that couple up about myself, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not safe. I'm powerless. There's nothing I can do. The way we experience the world, we sometimes get stuck because of the way memory gets thwarted in time. And it, kind of acts as if it's still happening. So we end up with, with, with trauma responses that are based in a time orientation issue in the past. Yeah. And so ultimately we're working with memory and all of the memory work that we address in EMDR therapy has to do with resolving memory that was thwarted in time. So what if I only have one traumatic event happen to me? 
Some people claim they don't have any traumatic events, but they know something's not quite right. Very true. And they come in and they go, my childhood was perfect. Everything was great. My parents loved me. I have no problems, but I don't know why I am so anxious or I don't know why I always have to be perfect or I don't know why I can't tolerate when my husband's upset with me. Mm -hmm. And so we take whatever the presenting issues are and we decide how are we going to approach from an EMDR therapy approach or the AIP lens, Mm. what are we going to use? Are we going to need to use some techniques that help just create some stress reduction or some symptom reduction? Is that primarily what someone wants to address? Mm -hmm. Or is there a specific protocol? Maybe they want to address an addiction or maybe they have a phobia or about something. Mm -hmm. So we might want to use a specific protocol to address a presenting problem. But the way I tend to approach my clients for the most part is really with a full comprehensive psychotherapeutic approach. Because what I love about EMDR therapy is it doesn't just, it's not just for symptom reduction. We can address problems with low self-esteem. We can address developmental deficits from attachment Mm. injuries and help to promote adaptive responses in the now that better match our current level of safety and our current selves Mm -hmm. and ultimately a more adult response that has space between the stimulus and our reaction so that it matches who I want to be more in line with the values that I hold today. So it can be a really comprehensive full self approach. And I think that it's so beautiful because it promotes personal growth it promotes the therapeutic alliance. Mm-hmm. So the relationship is so critical, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like an EFT therapy, honestly, where we really rely on in a full comprehensive psychotherapeutic approach that the relationship uh, is the greatest predictor for outcome. And that's in all therapies, quite frankly. Right. And so I love with, with using MDR therapy that there's this moment to moment attunement mm-hmm. and awareness where we're able to help build in real time repair Right. We're, be, we're able to show up for a client now in ways that people didn't address them in the past. And so they can start to make new memories yeah. in accordance with what's true now. And so through the, the therapeutic relationship and uh, connection and safety in the now, people start to build more capacity to tolerate distress, but they also build trust and resilience. Right, right. I think that speaks so much to about how humans are made for connection. Right. And if we can model that as a therapist and they can try it on in the real world, quote unquote, I say, right. What a beautiful thing as almost an investment to themselves long term, as you're talking about for all these future relationships. They practice, they practice with us so that they can, they can emulate or replicate the safety in this relationship and moving it out into the real world with their other relationships. I always say, borrow it from me until you own it for yourself. Perfect. Right. I love that. Absolutely. So EMDR works to address three prongs. It addresses the past. It addresses present triggers and present issues. Mm -hmm. And it also addresses future experiences. So Mm -hmm. when someone comes in and they say something like, I've never been in a plane crash. I've never had anything bad happen to Mm. me in an airplane, but I am just petrified to go on an airplane. Mm -hmm. We can actually target proactively an anticipatory anxiety and we can address imagining being in the plane, imagining the worst case scenario, and we can reprocess future anxiety around worst case scenario situations, Mm -hmm. bringing relief to a person and allowing them some capacity to go on that, that plane trip. That's so awesome. 
you know, being able to think ahead in that way too. So I'm coming to therapy and I'm ready to start EMDR. What exactly does that process look like? So EMDR therapy is an eight phase process. And a lot of times clients will say, you know, I went to another EMDR therapist, but you know, we never did any reprocessing. And I say, how many times did you see them? Oh, I went four times, but we never did any reprocessing. And so I'll say, well, when we're using this lens of treatment, Mm -hmm. we're thinking through things globally. Mm -hmm. And so there are eight phases and the first phase, and you might've only ended up in the first couple of phases. And maybe that's why you didn't do any reprocessing, but we have to do a thorough history taking if we're doing a comprehensive approach. So we still have to get a thorough history from our clients. People need to tell us you know, their stories and we need our generational history. We need grandma and grandpa. We need mom and dad, because the way I'm listening is how far back did someone need to learn the adaptations that they are currently dealing with? And so I'm listening for the landscape of their story, their Mm -hmm. history, their, uh, their socioeconomic backgrounds, the, the careers and jobs that their parents and grandparents had. Mm-hmm. I'm listening for where were their parents in birth order? Mm-hmm. Was there any trauma in their family's stories? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of history that I want to be thorough about, especially when thinking about that developmental lens and mm-hmm. the attachment traumas that happen in so many people. Cause I want to hear where did these fractures originate? And it might not just be in the story of the client in front of me. It might be mm-hmm. that they're carrying some of the generational burden of their pain. Yeah, absolutely. So the second phase that we have to address is the preparation phase. This is where we do psychoeducation, we do stabilization, we teach some coping skills, but most importantly, we learn if the client can state change, meaning I can go from a state of arousal and I can trust that my body can bring me back to a state of calm, Mm. calm enough. We don't have to be calm, calm, but Mm -hmm. we have to know that we can shift a little bit. And that's what we're working on to to understand in preparation phase. Mm -hmm. And it's important that once we have the ability for state change, that we can do some, some reprocessing. So phase three is the assessment phase. This is where a client says to us, this is what I want to work on. These are the problems that I'm struggling with. This is how I want my life to look when it's effective. And then this is where we reverse engineer what we're dealing with, the presenting issue, and that it's tied back in memory somewhere mm-hmm. in the past. And these are where the presenting issues are um, stuck or mm-hmm. thwarted in real time. Mm-hmm. And so we'll assess And then we get into the desensitization phase. Mm. And in that phase, we are actually actively reprocessing memories. In that phase, we are combining a set of specific elements and we are using specific protocols in order to address the the maladaptively encoded material. And so after the the desensitization phase, Mm -hmm. we are then doing what we call an installation phase. So we are plucking out the negative belief that got stuck Mm -hmm. in our trauma time and we are installing something that's more adaptive. So if my negative belief was, you know, I'm not good enough, then my positive belief is I am enough. I'm good enough as I am. And so it's really beautiful because now we're working our way, still reprocessing, but on a more adaptive side of our memory networks. And it's so powerful and exciting to get to see people really start to believe the truth about what's now, which is I am enough, even if other people don't like what I did or what I said, or I don't have to be perfect. I'm enough as I am. And then of course, the next phase is our body scan. When we are 
dealing with trauma, our body is the first to adapt and it's the last to let go. So we're checking our work. We're, we're fully installing a positive belief after we've reprocessed the memories Mm -hmm. associated with current day issues. And we are checking the body for any residual tension or tightness or perhaps information or data that says we've got more work to do. Mm. And so we check the body for the rest of the work related to this memory. Mm -hmm. And then we do closure. So this is where we do some grounding and stabilization Mm -hmm. and make sure that the client is in a good space so that they can go back into the world because they can feel a little jumbled and messy through this reprocessing experience. And we want to ground them and make sure they're, they're good to go off to the races. Yeah. And if we don't get through the entire sequence of the arousal and de-arousal of, mm-hmm. of reprocessing a memory, we, at the next session or, or afterward, we'll need to reevaluate and see what we still need to do. Where does the memory sit and what do we need to address still that's not fully resolved? Yeah, absolutely. I think just speaking to also like phase five, that installation phase, right? That's like, I feel like where where so much of the magic is too, because that's that investment part, right? That's the piece that clients can take with them after, because now they have this newfound, this new meaning they're making from their trauma, which is so awesome. Right. So yeah. And that's what is, that's where it's at is we can totally be in love with the fact that I don't just have a reduction in symptoms yeah, and yeah. I don't have a reduction in distress, right. but I feel like an entirely different person. Right. I'm not just, Oh, I'm not good enough. And like, I got rid of that. No, I put something else there now that I can move forward with. How right. incredible. I love so it. Good. So. Well, thank you so much yeah. for, for joining me today and for us to talk about EMDR therapy a little bit mm-hmm. and just give our viewers a bit of a taste of what they can expect with EMDR therapy and how it works and of course why we love it. So thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Like we talked about, we talked about the history of EMDR therapy, a little bit about how it works. We also talked about the phases in EMDR therapy, and I will be talking more about uh, this topic, what it can treat and how we think it works in our next episode. Don't forget to lead with love. It'll never steer you wrong.